0: Get off your phone. (laughs) I'm talking to him. I welcome you to worship on this Lord's Day morning, and I welcome you to the First United Methodist Church in Altamont. I'm Reverend Paige Campbell, your pastor, and it's good to be together in the house of the Lord. A time for us to give our hearts back to God after a week where maybe we weren't where we needed to be, or maybe we've come here because we're looking to recharge for the week ahead. Whatever the case, I pray that we open our our spirits to the Holy Spirit as we worship, give thanks, and praise. So I invite you to take a few moments to prepare your hearts for worship. Will you please stand as you're able and join with me in our call to worship? God has given us this day for praise. Praise be to God for this most generous gift. God has given his Son to us that we might learn ways of peace and mercy. come let us worship this great god of abundant mercy and love let our songs our words and our thoughts reflect God's and love amen. amen our opening hymn is a mighty fortress is our god it's number 110 in the hymnal and i'm going to quick scoot down there to make sure that sound actually comes out of the computer because it hasn't been doing that yet this morning. So hopefully we'll start singing as soon as possible. Try it out for us, Todd. Yep. Nope. All right. I'm going down. You could probably (laughs) sing this.
1: mighty is our God a bulwark never failing our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevail, for still our ancient foe Doth seek to work as well, His craft and power are great. Side, the man of God, don't choose him. Dost ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord, Sabbath his name. From age to age, the same. when the
0: together. Lord of mercy and abundant love, we have gathered here this day to hear your healing words of compassion and to be transformed by your love. Help us to become more faithful servants in our thoughts, words, and deeds. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're a kid at home and you're watching online, I invite you to gather around the TV, tablet, whatever you're watching from. For those of us who are here and young at heart, I ask you to continue to pay attention for some children's time. You know, very often we put things like around our house or our rooms or something like that to remind us of times, people, places. And I was looking around my office this week and I was asking myself, why do I have these things in my office? Is it simply to decorate or do they remind me of something? So I thought I'd share some of these and maybe get you thinking about the things you have around your house. So I have this cross. It stands on it. Oh, hey, it even balances on a slope uh, I have this it's on my desk it's a cross and it says walk by faith not by sight which is 2nd Corinthians 5 and 7 and I received this cross as a gift from a clergy friend of mine in fact she's a part of a group of clergy women that I talk to very often and we get together when we can and we go on retreats together And so this cross not only reminds me by the verse walk by faith not by sight that God is with me and that I'm reminded that that my faith is very important and I'm not always going to be able to see everything that God does in the world but that my faith will still guide me as I follow God but this also reminds me that I'm not alone that I am a part of a group of clergy people, a group of other Christians who are leading churches. I have sisters in the faith who pray for me and I pray for them. And so this is a lovely reminder of that. So I wonder if you can find something in your room or in your house this week that might remind you of God's love for you or the people that show you God's love. Maybe it'll be a picture, maybe it'll be some sort of gift, but go and find that and and point it out to somebody else. Post it on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is that you use. And then be thankful for the memory, for the knowledge, and for the people that this item reminds you of. Let us pray. God, we thank you for those little things in our lives that remind us of you and remind us of fellow believers. And so God, help us to keep our eyes open to those things. And Lord, if it's something that we see all the time and we kind of don't remember its meaning anymore, uh, Lord, help us to remember the, the love that was there and the love for you that was there. God, we thank you for the many ways that you remind us of your love and your grace through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We worship with our songs and our prayers, and we worship with our giving. So I invite the ushers to come forward to collect our morning tithes and offerings. seated. Um, As we enter into our time of prayer, the joys and concerns that we have to share, uh, there are many that are listed in your bulletin. We'd like to add the family of Tether Campbell to that list. Tether had been a uh, teacher at our high school a few years ago and she passed away um, this week and yes she is also related to our Campbell family. We also have some um, joys, I think, to share. Hopefully yeah. Oh, hopefully they're joys. From Charlie. The barbershop concert in Charleston is at 7 p.m. on Tuesday at Kiwanis Park. And Charlie, you're telling us that because you sing in the barbershop, don't you? Right. Well, probably in the court or the group, not just in the barbershop. Yeah, we will sing wherever. You'll sing wherever. Very good. And then Charlie's also directing the show Rumors at the Effingham Performance Center, and that's Friday and Saturday at seven, next and next Sunday at 2 p.m. He's a little busy, so let's add Charlie to our prayer list as well, (laughs) as as he shares his talents across our county and across our region. Of course, if you've been paying attention to the news, you know that uh, Louisiana, is being hit by a hurricane as we speak, a very serious one, so we pray for all those who are in that path. Um, There is also a storm coming up from the Pacific. People are still recovering from earthquakes in Haiti. And then there is all that is going on in Afghanistan and Israel and Palestine. So we are never at a loss for things to pray about. Oh, did I forget the coronavirus? And for all those who are nurses and doctors and healthcare workers who are on the front lines of that, we have much to pray for, my friends, much to pray for. So I invite you now into a few moments of personal prayer time. lord it's an awesome wonder that we come before you you who are the creator of all things of all people of the skies of the earth the animals and us god you are so mighty we can't even wrap our heads around it and so lord we come before you humbly this morning Humbly, because one, we don't deserve all that you have given us, and two, when we think about your love and the grace that you give us, we know that that we haven't done nothing to deserve it. In fact, Lord, we have sinned. We have sinned in thought, word, and deed, whether they were spoken or unspoken, whether whether the deed was done or not done. So, Lord, as we come before you humbly, Lord, we humbly beg your forgiveness. And, Lord, we say we're sorry. And we are thankful, God, that you love us so much that you gave us your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, there is so much need in the world right now. Lord, we pray for all those who are in the path of natural destruction, be it hurricane or wildfire or or earthquake. God, we pray for all those who are in spaces of violence. And Lord, we pray for your peace. Lord, we pray for our nation as we still struggle with coronavirus. Lord, we know that health care workers are becoming exhausted. So, Lord, give them strength. I know this isn't what they signed up for. but Lord, you have gifted them and so I pray, Lord, they continue to sacrificially give their gifts for the care of others. And God, I pray that we will use wisdom as we move about in the world so that we might take care of ourselves and we might always be caring for others. Lord, in this time where everyone seems so divided, Lord, help us to unite in you in your call to love one another, in your call to repent. Lord, enable us, empower us to be your witnesses in the world, to share the grace that we have received with everyone that we meet. And in those places where we can be of help, Lord, make us your hands and feet. Lord God, we pray for all of this and so much more. And now we join our voices together to pray to you, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses Our scripture reading this morning comes from Ephesians. This is our last Ephesians weekend. We've pretty much worked our way through the whole book and so this uh, today we are reading from Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 to 20 and I'm reading it from the common English Bible translation so it might sound a little different from what you're accustomed to but I think that's good sometimes because then we pick up on things differently than we might before. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and his powerful strength. Put on God's armor so that you can make a stand against the tricks of the devil. We aren't fighting against human enemies, but against rulers, authorities, forces of cosmic darkness, and spiritual powers of evil in the heavens. Therefore, pick up the full armor of God so that you can stand your ground on the evil day and after you have done everything possible to still stand. So stand with the belt of truth around your waist, justice as your breastplate, and put shoes on your feet so that you are ready to spread the good news of peace. Above all, carry the shield of faith so that you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. Offer prayers and petitions in the spirit all the time. Stay alert by hanging in there and praying for all believers. As for me, pray that when I open my mouth, I'll get a message that confidently makes this secret plan of the gospel known. I am an ambassador in chains for the sake of the gospel. Pray so that the Lord will give me the confidence to say what I have to say. May the Lord add a blessing to our reading, hearing, and understanding of the scripture this morning. Okay, Todd, I got a lot of slides. Okay, very good. Wearing the right outfit has been important from all times, throughout the millennia and the centuries. I mean, if I were to say to you, picture a king or a queen you would have a crown on their head, a robe probably with a little bit of fur on it, and some velvet maybe in purple, and lots of jewelry, right? Lots of dazzle, more dazzle than I'm wearing this morning. That was funny. (laughs) And I am so grateful that I don't live in a time where I have to have the absolute right outfit for the right minute of the day. Because what you wore back in the day not only showed your position in society, but also that you were a person of means. So I wanna start out by saying in this conversation that I know that proper wardrobes wasn't for everyone. And it really was only for the elites in society. But since I happen to be a big fan of Jane Austen, who wrote a lot about the elite of British society in Regency, England, I have an interesting understanding of all the different outfits women had to wear in those days if they were women of means. So how many of you have read or seen a Jane Austen adaptation or book? Joy, I'm so, I thought if Joy's not here this morning at least, then, so some of you are familiar. Any of you watched Bridgerton or you don't even want to admit if you watched Bridgerton? Okay, some of you did. Here are some examples of the outfits that women had to wear in one day depending upon their activity. So starting at the left, that is morning dress. So if you were not doing anything, not even receiving guests, but this is what you wore. Next to her was evening dress, all right? And then the one in the middle, that's a walking dress. And then the one on the right is, of course, your carriage dress, right? We all have our carriage dresses, don't we? And men don't think that the women were the only ones who had to change their clothes four or five times a day because men also had outfits for riding and evening and day and, and all of that kind of stuff. So all told, women could have morning dresses, visiting gowns, walking gowns, promenade dresses, carriage dresses, riding habits, dinner dresses, and then ball gowns. Anyone else exhausted just thinking about that? And each were for a particular occasion. And each showed your position in society. And this isn't even talking about the gloves you wore, about the hat, about the shawl. It just goes on and on and on. Now, in our current culture, the rules have eased a lot. Fifty years ago, women probably would have been wearing dresses to church, have hose on and pumps, maybe a hat and gloves still. Men, you would all be in suit and ties. Now, there's something to be said for that, but on this very warm Sunday, I think we can all admit that we kind of like that we're a little more casual right now. (laughs) And this has spread out throughout our society. We're more casual in the US, but if I still said a particular A particular occupation, you would still have an idea of what that outfit would look like. Now, what's my next slide? All right, so here are the outfits of the US Army. You all familiar with them? Did you know there are four now? There used to only be three. This one is known as the uh, greens. It's a newer outfit for day-to-day work. So if you're in the office or something, this is what you will wear. So then we have our greens if you're in the military, and then we have um, the combat outfit, and then we have those are the ones we think of the most. Like we, a lot of people call them dress blues, but they're not, it's not what they're called. They're actually called the service uniform, the one that we see often at ceremonies. And then finally, you have a fitness uniform. So maybe there are some areas of life where you do have to change your clothes several times a day. <laughs> but whether we still have, you know, next slide, construction workers, doctors, um, You know, look at that picture there. We have nurses. There is a certain uniform that goes with certain professions. Now, what the guy all dressed in black is supposed to be, I have no idea. He kind of looks like he works for the mob. (laughs) And this goes into sports, too. If I say football, you all think of helmet, you know, shoulder pads, and a jersey. If I think, if I say uh, soccer, you might think of cleats and shin guards or nothing at all because you know nothing about soccer, I don't know. Nothing about, it's not even, did you just say it's not even a sport? (laughs) Them's fighting words, you're welcome. You're lucky the Schultzes aren't here today. (laughs) You know, when I think of Wimbledon, I think of tennis whites, because you have to wear white when you play tennis at Wimbledon. So we have uniforms that come with expectations. We have clothes that mean things to us in society. Now, on hearing the words of Ephesians and the descriptions that I just read to you about having a belt around your waist, a breastplate, shoes, shield, helmet, sword, the original listeners to this whether they were in Ephesus, which is modern-day Turkey, or if they had been in Rome, or even if they'd been in Israel, would automatically think of a Roman soldier, because these are all items that a Roman soldier wore. The idea of a breastplate, a helmet, a shield, a sword, those, those you know, sandals that, that we're all familiar with. And so this is great imagery. This... The author has tied to each of these items a meaning, so we can think about armor, so the listener could think about armor. And so each piece has a meaning for us. We are told, you know, so stand with the belt of truth, the belt around your waist. It holds everything together. God's truth holds everything together. Bre- for your breastplate this is justice, that's you know, what protects your heart. Shoes on your feet so that you're ready to spread the good news of peace. A shield of faith, a helmet of salvation, a sword of the Spirit. Now, why would the author be telling the church in Ephesus that they need to put on this armor, Of course, it's not literal. It's not like he's suggesting that everybody go on, put on some armor, and go out and fight the Romans. No, the fight is actually even more personal than that. The fight is against the spiritual forces of wickedness. The fight is against the devil. The fight is against Satan, or however you want to call it. Call it the dark side, if you need to but this force, a force against God and against God's will is real. It's not one we like to talk about because it makes us uncomfortable. We love to think about the love of God and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but we very often don't like to talk about the fact that there is something in the world working against that. There is something that works against God's will. There is something that causes us to consider sin. There is something that leads us to sin. So call it what you want, it is there. And my personal experience tells me that the more I try to live into God's will, the more under attack I will become. That the more a church is seeking to live out God's message in their community, the more under attack that church will be. And it isn't attack with swords or shields or spears or flaming arrows. It's attack with words, innuendo, doubt, throwing obstacles, thinking more of self than community, being greedy instead of selfless. These are the forces that work against you, each of you, me, and our church when we try to live our best disciple lives. So what do we use to fight against this? What do we use to fight against the spiritual forces of wickedness? Well, our author has told us we have an armor. God has provided for us what we need. A belt of truth around our waist to hold it all together. Justice as our breastplate. Shoes that can carry us and make us ready to spread the good news of peace. A shield of faith. A helmet of salvation and a sword of the Spirit, which is God's word, the scriptures. But there's one key point to all of this. I would say the most important words in this entire reading are these Put on God's armor. Put on God's armor because if you don't put it on, it will do you no good. If you don't put on a helmet in football and then you go out and crash into somebody, you're gonna hurt your head. The helmet does you no good on the sidelines. If you go into battle and you are not wearing your armor, you are not as strong as you can be. So we have to put on this armor of God. Jesus has provided so much for us. God has provided so much for us. And they both know that things will be difficult. Jesus has been there. Jesus was tempted for 40 days. Jesus was tempted on the night before he was crucified. He knows temptation. He knows the spiritual forces of wickedness. And so God has provided us That which we need to fight against it, but it's up to us to use it. To search the scriptures, to pray, to walk by faith, to remember our salvation. When we do these things, we will be stronger and we will persevere. Again, from my own experience, I know that those times when I'm feeling the most weighed down, the most negative, depressed, I know that I have not put on my armor. I can look and see that I've not been praying enough, that I've not been reading enough, that I've not been leaning on God enough. So we have to do that. Think about your life And the areas where you feel a lot of negative push. And maybe you can recognize that for what it might be. Not God, but the other. And then you can remember what God has given you to withstand that. One of the things that this doesn't say when it talks about the armor of God is it's talking about an individual. But we remember that we are stronger together than we are alone. And so when we are feeling under attack or depressed or down or doubtful, that's when we depend on each other as a community of faith, where we can lean on each other so that we are an army together a people prepared to go out into the world to share the word and to withstand those flaming arrows or whatever else it is that Satan throws our way. Because we know that with God, not only will we persevere, but we will succeed, that God's will will prevail. Will you pray with me? Lord God, in those times when we feel that our patience is wearing thin, help us to put on our shield of faith. Lord, at those times when we are feeling frustrated, help us to put on our shoes. Lord, whatever the case may be, You know, Lord, that this is not a world that is Christian-friendly. This is not a world that wants to hear the good news of your son, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, help us to use that which you have given us. And help us to use one another. To be fortified, to be strengthened, to be assured. Help us, God. No matter what we face, to have our faith in you and to know that you've got our backs. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come to our time for our news to share, if you saw it out on the Facebook uh, yesterday, uh, uh, Sherry and some others, who else um, are selling? Huh? Okay. The Shoemakers Group grew pump- grew pumpkins, and they are selling them on behalf of the church out at the four way stop sign. So if you are ready to start decorating for fall, and please decorate for fall and not skip to Christmas. Um, They've got pumpkins and gourds of all different sizes and such, so go see them. They'll be out in the mornings this week, or you can probably go shopping by special appointment if you talk to them. So go check them out. They have a great selection of things and and it's very nice of them to do that. Um, Let's see, what else do we have this week? There's Knitting with Love on on, um, tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. in the food pantry this week. We are in need of volunteers for the food pantry, so if you've seen that clipboard, please uh, fill it out if you're able to volunteer. Make sure you flip the page over to get going into September. With that being said then, let us rise and sing together our closing hymn, Standing on the Promises. It's number 374 in our hymnal. of God, you have been given what you need to go out in the world to face whatever you need to face and to share God's word. So go with the blessing of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. The First United Methodist Church is a church of open hearts, open minds, and open doors, seeking to help everyone come to know Jesus Christ, both in Altamont and around the world. Our worship services are at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings, and all are welcome in person after the COVID crisis, but now online at our YouTube channel, Altamont First UMC. You can also find the link on Facebook at our Facebook page, First United Methodist Church Altamont. We will begin worship shortly.